This podcast contains adult language and mature themes, which may not be suitable for all listeners. So listen at your own fucking risk. Essential NPCs, the podcast where we sample some of the best and possibly some of the worst tabletop RPGs. I'm Addie. And I'm Tommy. And you're listening to Series 4, Episode 9, The Trials of Valdrew. And let's start it off with some announcements. Uh, we only have one announcement this week, and it's a rehash. Go vote. Vote! <laughs> uh, we have a vote up on our Facebook for what system we're going to play in series five uh you have three options for uh revisiting systems and you have uh a fourth option for do something different um and we have a lot of votes rolling in uh it's it, we're really really excited uh we do really quick want to uh remind anyone who has yet to vote that if you vote for a rehash of a system like if you really want us to go back to Shadowrun for a series uh you can still write in what other systems you're interested in listening to even if you didn't choose the uh keep mixing it up option that's going to be really useful for us even if uh we get a resounding vote for a return to a system we can still look at what people are interested in listening to for series beyond series five. Basically, we want to be able to bring you the content that you want to listen to. So make sure we know what content it is that you want. Yeah, because we're tr- we're willing to try any system you guys want us to. Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> well, we're excited to see what those systems are. So make sure that you get your vote in before we announce uh, the results, which we will be doing in two short weeks on the 14th of March. So make sure you go to our Facebook page and vote and let us know what you want us to play next. And on that, that's the end of our announcements. Let's move into Words with the GM. Hello. Hi, GM. Hello. Uh, this Words with the GM is, is about Series 4, Episode 8, Quid Pro Quo. Ah, uh, yes. Nothing uh, really happens. No, not at all. <laughs> you guys just like fly through to checkpoints. You uh, go into a volcano. You work uh, for a bit. It's good. It's good stuff. Uh, it was a really, really fun episode um, to explore. Yeah, I was very surprised at how quickly we got through stuff when we were playing. Uh, it like we we definitely worked our way onto the storm ships. Then we got on the storm ship, and it was like cool. You're here now. Congratulations. Yeah. yeah, well, it's smooth sailing once you get on a storm ship uh, because everything, you know, the, the hard part is getting on it. Once you're on a storm ship, they assume that you're doing your job. And if you're if they find out that you're not doing your job on the storm ship, you're going to get tossed off. Uh, so no dead weight on a storm ship, that's for sure. Um, but everything is, you know, there's not really, it's like a post-currency uh, economy there. It's everyone, like, works for their keep, kind of. Mm-hmm. Um and actually, that was really uh, fun to set up because uh, that all of that 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 structure of the storm ship um, isn't really uh, actually an established thing in the Tefer universe. Oh, really? Um, it is, and it isn't. So okay. <laughs> uh, so there's there's very very little uh, about actual life on a storm ship in the uh, in the Tefer like rule book. There's like you know a brief mention of them, and then. Um, 
on like their website and like the nation's section, which they actually oh, have the a lot supplemental material. Yeah. They have some, they have some really good uh, information on their website. Like as far as like how the world is, uh, they do talk a little bit more about it. They have like a whole paragraph about like life on a storm ship being really regimented and every, you know, and that they do have that whole like Paldorn mentality of like you pull your weight or else type thing. Like, you know, you gotta, you gotta earn your keep and that's about it. And, uh, uh, it was really, really, um, fun as a GM to take that foundational aspect of the world and extrapolate on it and make it my own. Um, and it was like, I remember thinking at one point, like what, okay, once they get on the storm ship, like they're going to have to navigate Paldoran society and like find their way to like, you know, Valdru from the storm ship. How are they going to pull that off? And then I sat there and was like, okay, well, this is what I know about storm ships. And I extrapolated on that. And I eventually realized that I really liked this idea of it working like a fine oil, uh, a fine tuned machine. Everyone plays their part. Everyone does their thing. No one like, you know, it's like, oh, you want passage on a ship? Cool. We got jobs for you to do. Uh, you're looking for lodging? All right, here you go. Let's you know it's like bunker housing, and uh, and it, it was a fun little epiphany to have as I was like fine tuning that aspect of the world. Uh, that um, once you were on the storm ship, it should be smooth sailing. No pun intended. <laughs> All right. Um, so I actually would say that that's um, that that's a really good aspect that I think a lot of people who GM or want to GM don't really think about. Um, where you're not creating your own world, but you're also not using um, the entirety of a pre-established setting. So Tefra's really good for that, where it's got like, it's got a good solid like bedrock. Yeah, they, um, they create a really, really interesting world, but only slightly alluding to every aspect of it. And when you really want to dive into something, you got to kind of figure out from the little bits of information you have how you want it to be. Yeah. And so like it also keeps things fresh because every time that somebody plays Tefra with a new GM, it's a new planet. It's a new world, um, but it's very familiar. It's kind of like the parallel universes yeah. sort of thing, um, well, which it, I really enjoy the the prospect of. Yeah, it's, it's a really good... Um, uh, mentality to have going in, even when you're playing with something like an established world, like, you know, Faerun in Dungeons and Dragons or the Seattle of Shadowrun. Um, uh, you know, those worlds exist. There's tons of lore on them. You can read and read and read and like learn everything there is to know about it. But that doesn't, that still, even after all that, doesn't mean that you have to use all of that. You can use what you want. You have to remember that this is, whenever you run a game, it's your version of that setting. Mm -hmm. Like this is my version of Tefra. And when you run Dungeons and Dragons, that's your version of Faerun. When I run Shadowrun, that's my version of, of Seattle. It's, you know, you can make it your own and there's, there's nothing that can, that can stop you from doing that because you are God. <laughs> uh, and that's a great place uh, to move on into favorite moments. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my favorite moment was when I was God. <laughs> Um, so what was your favorite moment of this last episode? There were a lot of things I liked, so it's hard to pick just one. Um, but I think the, the thing that got like the best reaction out of me listening to it again, um, was, uh, Zeke's like fervent need to figure out who or what Duncan Furter is. Like something <laughs> is weird. 
I need to figure out what this is. <laughs> like you guys run into Duncan Furter twice on this uh, or in this session, and it's it's great because you can see Zeke being like, "All right, this is weird." And then by the time you get to Valdrew, he is like determined, like, "Where are you from? What part of Evanglass?" <laughs> hmm. <laughs> and then like every time Duncan Furter says something that is like weird, you can just hear Zeke go. Mm. <laughs> mm, someone else do the talking right now. <laughs> and watching Dan uh, really get into that because I think it's half Zeke and half Dan. Like Dan desperately wants to know what's going on there, and you can I could see it in his face. And uh, and I I, I it, par- it brings you great joy. It brings me great joy to just fuck with my players <laughs> like that. I guess. What about you? What was your favorite part? Um. That was definitely one of them. Uh, <laughs> but I really enjoyed the um, uh, this kind of simple moments of like everybody has a job on the um, I don't even know if that ship had a name. The ship that was leaving to go to Valdru. Man, if it did, I don't remember it. I probably um, made it up on the spot. <laughs> where like Talia was just like, ooh, work, how fun. And Barnabas was like, I'm gonna be the best custodian ever. And then like, <laughs> and then Zeke was was just like Zeke flying a plane and um, kind of showing it was a, a really good showcase of everybody's personality. Yeah. Um, and there were a lot of moments like that, you know, like the the housing issue uh, and then like going down into the volcano. Just this whole episode was really great for showcasing like where the strengths and weaknesses were for each and every character. And uh, I love just like pretending to love work because that was hilarious. <laughs> to me. I had a lot of fun playing that out. Yeah, it was good. I, I, I enjoyed it as well. But uh, I suppose uh, uh, that's enough chatter for now. Um, we should uh, we should keep going. Uh, you guys have to uh, have to undergo some uh, some trials in order to continue your journey. I'm sure everything will be fine. Yeah, yeah, it will be easy. You just gotta take like a test. The answers are C on all of them. Mm-hmm. Just you, you know, C, C, just bubble in like, C. You're yeah. good. Uh, yeah. All right. So let's move on forward and listen to series four. Episode 9, The Trials of Valdru. Enjoy! Hello, I'm Barnabas Gunsby, famous big game hunter and adventurer. I come from common birth, but I've used my skills to make a name for myself. I often go on expeditions to explore the world and its many lost secrets to tame once wild lands and lay my eyes on wonders few have seen. I've written books of my exploits to help fund my adventures and while the books have brought me wealth and fame, many believe them to be fiction. It's cast a sad shadow over my once great career. But I have been selected to participate in the great Atroposian circuit where I shall Prove to the world that Barnabas Gunsby is a true legend of adventure! Hello, I'm Talia Nazari. It's true, I am Varishta royalty, and that's all well and good, but ruling is certainly not my true passion, but a duty I fulfil nonetheless. You see, I'm first an inventor and engineer. Self-taught, but I'm very good. A natural. And I suppose that natural talent has only been helped along by a lot of time spent in solitude. But you should see all the sorts of things I've made, mostly through trial and error. I am certainly not afraid to jump in and get my hands dirty when needed. 
as fate would have it, being an inventor led me straight into what I believe will be one of the most interesting times of my life. Mr. Cornelius Jollypot has asked me to join his team for that great Atroposian circuit. Can you imagine? Of course I said yes, only bolstered by the fact that one of my teammates is Mr. Barnabas Gunsby, my favourite author. We're sure to have a fantastic time and perhaps even have the chance to win. I can't wait to leave Dalvosia and see the world with my amazing and talented teammates by my side. It's all so very exciting. I'm Ezekiel Quaglin, gnome pilot extraordinaire, but my friends call me Zeke. I grew up in Paldoris before the hurricane wars. When the Aedin attacked, I joined the military to do my part in defense of my people. When it came time to return home, we realized that in winning the war, Paldoris had become an uninhabitable wasteland. The Infernal Church of Jinzi swooped in to save the day with their city-sized stormships. This spelled salvation for many of my people, and though I was never particularly religious, I was happy to accept the church's appointment as pilot of Jinzi's Hammer. I flew the city for several years, but I never really enjoyed living on that mechanical monstrosity. When the Evanglesian Civil War broke out, I quickly volunteered for the Jinzi Corps to lend aid to the militarists. Though we lost, I earned admission to the High Flyers, and after the war, used my connections there to become a commercial pilot. It's not glamorous or exciting work, and it barely pays the bills, but it let me fly the skies. When Jollypot offered me a spot on his Atroposian circuit team, I was happy to accept in hopes of retiring to a life of luxury. I mean, even if we don't win, at least it won't be boring. The last time we left Team Jollypot, uh, they had made it aboard the Purity Aloft by completing a mission given to them by one of the uh, generals of the Sky City. Um, they had to go into a volcano and find out what had happened to a science team uh, that had been sent down to try and render the volcano inert. When they went down into the volcano, they found uh, Team Nightingale, who had been given this task before but never returned to the Purity Aloft, uh, and they found out that um, a member of Team Fiddleworth, uh, one Augustus Lodge, had knocked out Team Nightingale and was torturing uh, one of its members, Ezra Keaton, to try and get some information about some paintings he had stolen. With uh, with a little bit of charm and negotiation, uh, Team Jollypot managed to convince uh, Lodge not to kill Team Nightingale and also got some information about Team Fiddleworth's plans. Apparently, uh, they are, in fact, trying to kill the different members of the race um, so that they can win by default. Uh, they even managed to get Lodge to uh, hint at the fact that the member of Team Fiddleworth that has Team Jollypot on his list is none other than Tank. Once they were aboard the Purity Loft, it was rather easy for them to gain access or uh, to gain transport to uh, the next checkpoint in the Druidic country of Valdru, a country that is extremely uh, unwelcoming to outsiders. Um, the only part that is available uh, to people who are not uh, approved to enter um, is basically the coastline. 
they landed on the coastline. They went to the uh, welcoming center and spoke with Duncan Furter there. Uh, and were, they were informed that uh, they had a couple options. They could go around Valdru uh, up north to the next checkpoint in Zell Host, which would bring them back through Old Paldoris or make them detour into the Azeda Desert, which would require them to then backtrack back into the Azeda Desert as the checkpoint after Zell Host is in Azeda. Um, neither of which are ideal uh, situations. Um, or uh, they could undergo the trials of the druids of Valdru uh, to be given permission to pass through. Um, Team Jollypot opted to go ahead and undergo the trials, and they were given an appointment the next day. And uh, when they walked through the gates, uh, to head towards the Hall of Druids, they were met with uh, two familiar faces, uh, none other than the gnome Bartholo and his elf companion Grundlefug uh, were waiting on the other side of the gate. Um, you guys, uh, the gates open up, you see the two of them, and Bartholo goes, Team Jollypot? And uh, immediately... Uh, before you guys have a chance to do anything else, Grundlefug's face lights up and he goes, Hell yeah! And uh, <laughs> sprints uh, like flying towards you, Talia, and uh, grabs you in a big hug and spins you around. Ha! Hello, Grundlefug. <laughs> I pat him on the back. Uh, that's enough. That's enough, Grundlefug. That's enough. Please, please, let her down. Let her down. And he goes, Hurry. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he reaches in his, uh, in his like, you know, uh, sack that is around his shoulder and, uh, uh, pulls out, uh, his little music box and he flicks it open and it's still playing. Oh, good. It's still working. <laughs> yes. Yes. It, apparently it, it's, uh, it was a permanent fix and he is much appreciated it. And he, uh, and, uh, Grundlefug like smiles at you. Well, I'm very happy to have helped. I, I, uh, I was hoping I'd be able to catch you here before uh, before you caught up in the race. Uh, I've actually been uh, uh, keeping tabs on uh, on you three. Um, see, if, if, as soon as you left my forest, um, I decided to set out and see what the world had become. Uh, and I uh, went into Evangles and uh, purchased uh, this handy little thing. And he reaches uh, into the sack and pulls out a little uh, a little radio. And uh, flicks it on, and you guys hear a broadcast. Heroics and upsets. Welcome back, dear friends. This is Guy Finnegan with the latest updates in this year's Great Atroposian Circuit. Despite their various setbacks, Team Cornfoot has maintained first place, but their lead over the other teams is no doubt beginning to shrink. Meanwhile, as expected, the task of crossing the Hurricane Sea proved monumental in showcasing which of our valiant teams were truly adaptive and resourceful enough to proceed. The most notable of the teams to overcome this challenge with relative haste is none other than Team Jollypot! Shattering all expectations, Team Jollypot managed to rocket their way from 11th place to 6th place over the course of a mere two checkpoints. 
Not content with only drastically altering the landscape of the race, Team Jollypot also reportedly proved instrumental in the capture of the dreaded Beast of Felion. It appears many have woefully underestimated Team Jollypot's true dedication to adventure in the highest caliber, and now they're back on the map as contenders for the victor's purse. But the race is far from over, and no one team is safe from the many pitfalls and delays that lay ahead. What will happen next? Which of our teams will successfully gain passage through the guarded forests of Valdru? Will any of our less fortunate adventurers throw in the towel? Be the first to know by listening here to Guy Finnegan on Gilded Monogle International Radio. It seems uh, uh, the three of you have had some luck on the road. Yeah, we're, we're, we're pretty good at this. <laughs> There's no such thing as luck. We make our own luck. Well, uh, I, uh, I also understand that uh, the three of you have uh, decided to undergo the uh, druidic trials to gain passage through Valdru. I'll tell you, not, not all of the teams have been successful in this attempt. Do you know what's involved? Well, I know a bit, but uh, I'm sworn to secrecy. Um... Here, come. I, I have uh, uh, volunteered to be your escort. Uh, no one is allowed uh, into the forest without an escort. Um, and even then, uh, you're only allowed to go speak to the druids. So uh, come with me and Grundlefug, and uh, we can talk along the way. And uh, he walks you guys through the gates, which close behind you. Uh, and he starts leading you uh, into the forest uh, and up a hill. And now, while I'm not allowed to give you any specifics uh, as to what, what you may undergo in the trials, uh, I, I can tell you that there are five trials that you will undergo uh, inside the Hall of Druids. Um, one is a test of spirit. The other is a test of determination. And there's a test of creativity, uh, passion, and patience. Each of, each of these trials is to... Uh, uh, is to test to see if you're worthy to walk the forests of Valdru and to suss out uh, any darkness inside you uh, that, that may bring harm to these lands. But uh, uh, that, that's unfortunately all I can tell you. Uh, I can't give you any more specifics besides that. Thanks for the, uh, the heads up, at least. Yes. <laughs> and uh, as you guys are walking up the path, uh, you see um, two gnomes uh, escorting, uh, three people, uh, down the, uh, uh, down the path. Um, and, uh, you see, uh, none other than Team Cups, uh, walking back, looking dejected and a little frazzled. Uh, and, uh, they seem to be bickering with each other. Um, and, uh, they're, they're like, well, no, it's, it's not my fault. Well, I think it is your fault. Honestly, Phaedra. Well, look, I You're mean, probably ladies. Right. And I tip my hat as we walk by, they stop and look at you guys. And, uh, uh, the, um, one of the, uh, the guards, uh, pokes one of them with his spear and is like, keep walking. <laughs> <laughs> You're not welcome in these forests. Go. <laughs> the druids have spoken. And they're like, wait, no, they can't go. They can't go in. Are you questioning the will of the druids? <laughs> I love this place. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and they, uh, they watch you guys go dejectedly. <laughs> I do a little finger wave. There's some history with that team, I see. They throw us off an airship. 
Oh, they were the ones. Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, that is unfortunate, but I'm I'm rather pleased with that turn of events. It meant uh, our paths did cross. I mean, we're very happy to have met you, and that's great. But if that could have happened without having been thrown off an airship, I think everyone would have preferred it. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and you guys uh, walk up the hill, and uh, the trees give way to a large collection of tents, all connected, um, made out of uh, uh, leather and canvas um, with all these druidic symbols around them, um, and uh, surrounded by uh, uh, stone pillars. Grundlefug and Bartholo uh, guide you guys towards the uh, the main entrance, and he goes, all right, this is... This is as far as I can lead you. Um, once you have undergone the trials, uh, regardless of if you pass or fail, I will be waiting out here to either uh, assist you in your travels through Valdru or uh, to escort you back to the coastline. Um, but I have every bit of confidence that if any team in the Atroposian circuit is worthy to pass through Valdru, uh, it would be you three. Thanks. Uh, and then, um, as you guys like are about to go, um, uh, Grundlefug grabs, uh, all three of you in a big hug and goes, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, my big friend. And, uh, he slaps you on the shoulder and you stumble a bit. <laughs> oh, good show. Oh. <laughs> <coughs> all right. As soon as you guys walk in, the first thing you notice is the smell. Uh, and the haze, uh, it's like very like foggy in here. Uh, and, uh, it hits you. It's like this kind of like, uh, bittersweet smell, uh, that like kind of sticks in your nostrils. And, um, this whole place is kind of like, has this like wispy, like mist floating around inside of it that is giving it this aroma. Um, and you guys walk in and, uh, you're in a large empty tent and one uh, gnome uh, wearing a like greenish brown robe uh, with the hood folded back uh, is sitting there waiting for you. Uh, his hands are tucked into his uh, sleeves, and uh, he goes, "And uh, you are Team Jollypot. Yes, you have come to undergo the trials. Yes. Yes. Excellent." I will need you to relieve yourselves of all your possessions. Can I keep my clothes? No. You need not strip down here, given the outsider's need for privacy, I understand. We have, a, we have provided any gestures with one hand uh, towards uh, three different uh, like entrance flaps on the other side of this tent. Uh, we have provided changing rooms for the three of you. There are your robes there, and he gestures to your guys' left, and you see uh, there are actually uh, robes similar to his folded up um, to the side. You may take those into, he gestures again with his hand, the changing rooms, <laughs> and leave all of your worldly possessions here safely with me. I go and take my robe and start uh, undressing and putting all my stuff up. Okay. Uh, there's like a, a little like stone table for you guys to lay down everything that you have that's not clothing. Yeah, yeah. I put all my stuff on the table and then I get changed. I don't use the changing room because it's like it takes it's not doesn't take very long. And communal locker rooms are a thing. <laughs> <laughs> I most definitely change in the changing room. Okay. Yeah. You, you leave everything in the main Basically, if anyone tries to go into the changing rooms with anything besides just their clothing, 
they will be stopped. Oh, no, I, um, I guess I take all of my things off and put them in the little compartment in Gerald and then <laughs> leave Gerald. Uh, um, I, I go in, I'm not bothered by, you know, I don't have that need for privacy, but it'd be rude to turn down a dressing room that they obviously built for us. So, <laughs> All right. So uh, Talia, you enter your room. Barnabas, you enter your room. Zeke, you stay in the main tent. Since they won't use the changing room, I just get a very spacious changing room. <laughs> the, the one druid is standing there as you're changing. Um, and uh, he goes, please, excuse me. And he walks through one of the, one of the side flaps. Um, uh, as you guys are finishing up changing, um, Talia, uh, a flap opens up in your changing room. Uh, and in walks in one of the druids. He goes, before you begin the trials, you have a visitor. Oh, um, uh, of course. Who, who is it? He claims to be your brother. Oh, um, yes, of course. Send him right, right in. Thank you. And he, uh, he walks out and the flap opens up and in walks Asheron. Hello. He grins at your, uh, at your attire and he goes... Thinking about making a life choice. Uh, no. Undergoing the trials, apparently. What are you doing here? I... I have something for you. You have something for me? Yes, and I, I, I couldn't wait any longer. Uh, it's, it's everything we've hoped for. First off, I'm aware you met some of my less favorable business partners during your journey. One, Percival Blackwater... Uh, yes, actually, I did. I can understand what you probably think of me. But you have to believe it was worth it. It was all a means to an end. Look, and he pulls out um, uh, a vial, and it's glowing with this kind of, like, radiant light. This, this is what it's all been for. It's all been for you, Talia. You can join me now in the Day Society. This is a, a concoction, uh, a very, very rare potion that will... Make your wings grow in. You have day society blood in you, and all you need to do is drink this potion, and you will, your wings will sprout, and you can come back, and we can we can be together finally, brother and sister. Um, that's amazing. How do you? What is it? It's an alchemical potion. I I I, I don't know the exact specifics of of what all's gone into it. I've I've worked with many many scientists to make this possible so i reach out and i will try to like take the vial okay he hands it to you it kind of it's warm and pleasant in your hand how do you know it will work believe me we've undergone many many tests i am certain this will work this has been years in the making talia i apologize for the secrecy but i had to work with all sorts of people to make this possible. The Ashen Angels, uh, the Carnival, an incredible amount of unsavory people uh, in order to accumulate the ingredients I needed. Um, what about the Atroposian Circuit? And <laughs> the Atroposian Circuit, this little race? You don't need this. Not, not when you've risen to the, to the levels of the Day Society. You can finally take what you deserve. I have friends. Here. This is important to me. 
it's only important to you because it's one of the things that you are able to achieve given your current status. Things like the Atroposian circuit are trivial once you have your wings. And to do what with them? Rule. Become part of the day society. Shape Dalvosia into the paradise that it, belo- it deserves to be. And be with your true family. With me. Can me and Barnabas hear any of this? No. That's impre- uh, impressive soundproofing in a tent. <laughs> um, I, I fiddle with the vial in my hand. It, it will still be there when this is all over. No, it has a very short shelf life. That's why I had to come immediately. You have to drink it now. You only have a little bit of time left before it, it finally fades away. But they didn't, they didn't want me. Who didn't? Mother and father? Nobody. Well, you can prove them all wrong. Just drink the potion. I want to, but I I can't. I'm sorry. You do this to me after all I've done? And uh, his eyes glow white, and he draws a flaming sword out of seemingly nowhere, and he runs it through you. I need you to roll spirit for me. 17. All right, Talia, you are overcome with nausea as the sword runs through you. Uh, and uh, uh, your brother um, and the vial on your hand bursts into gray smoke and fades in with the rest of the smoke around you. Uh, and uh, you're going to be at a minus two for all rolls for a little bit. Oh, gosh. Uh, I start crying. That makes sense. <laughs> Barnabas. Yes. You've finished your, your changing and uh, in walks a druid. Uh, and he goes, before you undergo the trials, you have some visitors. Oh, all right. Send them in. And uh, the druid walks out and then the tent flap opens up and in walks uh, Mia and Professor Catchpole from Felion. Oh, hello. Uh, it's. Good to see you again. What? I hope you can appreciate how difficult it was to to procure this meeting, Barnabas. I can only imagine. Uh, I, I I brought Professor Catchpole to you, Mr. Gunsby, because we need your help. Well, with, with what? Well, you see, Anything. Mr. Gunsby, the news reports saying that the Beast of Felion have been captured are, well, less than accurate. Oh. <sighs> so the beast still breathes yes we we uh we used the whistle that mr moreau had on him and the beast was summoned and we uh, had it in captivity for a short time but it turns out the beast is stronger than we we thought and well i i hate to admit it but it the, the beast escaped, and it is it is now loose and and stronger than ever, and it's feeding on both the people of Inner Felion and Outer Felion, and well, I, it's just we we came to you because we need you to hunt the beast of Felion. It's still killing all those people. Yes, it's it's gone mad. Uh, what few tests we ran on it apparently just drove it berserk and, and unlocked latent bioflux augmentations that hadn't taken root. And now it's, it's 10 times as dangerous. It's, it's, a, it's a monstrosity. And, and we need your help, Mr. Gunsby. You're the only one who can track it. Yes, and, and well, 
it, it's obviously a matter of, of great uh, importance, and people are dying by the day. So we have an airship docked outside. You can come with us, and, and you can hunt this beast, and, well, I, I understand you, uh, you publish novels of your exploits, and more often than not, people believe they're fiction, yes? Well, yes, but that seems to be the least of our concerns right now. That's eating everyone. <laughs> yes, well... We don't have much in the way of payment, but I can notarize your next novel about hunting the beast and a man of my stature claiming validity of your statements will prove to the world that you are who you say you are. What do you, what do you say? Will you come with us? You, you, uh, Please, Mr. Gunsby, we need your help. I guess there are some things more important than this race. I was hoping that... I could prove myself through doing this, but there are things far more important than that. It's going to be unfortunate. Miss Nazari and Mr. Quaglin are going to be very disappointed, but I'm sure they'll understand if we can stop the beast from mauling people. I'll go talk to them. I'll try to let them down easy, but... Excellent! Come, come, let's go! And uh, as they uh, turn and walk out the tent flap and you attempt to follow... Um, you're buffeted by a gust of smoke that hits you in the face and you are temporarily blinded and you pass out. Oh no. <laughs> uh, Zeke. Yeah. Um, you're waiting in the main tent and, uh, the, the one druid comes back in and he goes, hey, apparently before you undergo the trials, you have a visitor. Okay. And uh, he walks out through the tent flap, and a few seconds later, uh, in comes someone uh, you don't actually recognize, um, but he is clearly Paldoran, uh, and he's human. Um, and he goes, um, Ezekiel Quaglin, yes? Yeah. Yes. Um, I am Clyde Brownfield. I am the adjudicator of this, the estate of one Admiral Bryn Hawthorne, uh, a name you recognize. Uh, sure do. Uh, this is someone who you flew with uh, in the Evanglesian Civil War, um, and uh, you distinct your your you've had you ran a bunch of missions with him, um, but you distinctly remember one time where uh, you like flat out saved his life doing like a, a like intense uh, aerial maneuver to guide his like dead plane to the ground with your plane, uh, like carrying it on the back of your plane and guiding it to like a water landing. Yeah. I, I was great. <laughs> and, um, Admiral Hawthorne, uh, has regrettably passed away. That's a bummer. But after his time in the military, uh, he became a rather successful, uh, businessman and politician. And he amassed quite a great fortune. And, well, without a next of kin and with countless political and professional enemies, uh, Admiral Hawthorne saw fit to leave a vast amount of his estate uh, to none other than yourself. Um, I'm confused. He fought on the losing side of the Civil War and then became a very successful politician? Yes, he... he uh, he worked with the peace negotiations between the two sides and uh, got his foot in, in that regard. 
you do actually remember hearing things on occasion, like headlines that include like Hawthorne and stuff and, and like him, like cozying up with various, like, uh, like royalty and so on. Okay. My second question is how did you get in here? We had to make an appointment to get in here. Yes. Well, the, the Evangelistian government, uh, has respect for the culture of Valdru, but as its primary trade partner, the uh, associates of Admiral Hawthorne were able to pull some strings and allow me access. Okay, sure. Well... What do you need me to do? We need to head back to Evangles to transfer the estate. I can just give you my banking information. There's yeah. nothing in it, so it's not like you can rob me. <laughs> um, unfortunately... Uh, the papers need to be signed in person on the grounds of the estate. Um, and the Admiral was uncertain if you would be able to be reached uh, and did add a caveat that if we were not able to reach you in a certain amount of time uh, to liquidate the estate amongst many charities. Um, so if you want to get this fortune, you are going to need to come with me. Back to Evangles. But then I lose the race. It's like I'm supposed to follow all the rules in the race. And I know a lot of teams like don't. But I, Jolly Paw was he was pretty clear on following all of the rules. Let me just clarify some specifics. Can I? Do you have like a paper for me? And uh, he holds out like a paper, and it has like the you know it's like a long form thing saying like i admiral bryn hawthorne and blah, blah 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 like you know bequeath i read it so on and so forth uh and basically what it comes down to is uh an unspeakable amount of wealth is being handed to you like billions and billions of kings worth of uh value uh both in like liquid assets as well as, as well as uh, invested uh assets um, all in your name. Well, this is great. I'm very rich now. Well, you only are if you come with me to Evanglass and and you didn't you didn't bring the papers. I I couldn't. They are required to stay. Uh, the admiral is more uh, paranoid than than most, given uh, the various enemies he's made. Um, as you said yourself, he he did fight for the militarists, and therefore his rise to power was one that upset quite a few people and uh he didn't want the papers to be intercepted and altered yeah okay i guess um i guess give it all to charity i told these folks i'd help the person you're talking to bursts into smoke and flies at you yeah uh, <laughs> <laughs> i need you to roll spirit for me yeah, that's a 21. So tier three. Yeah. Uh, the smoke hits you in the face, buffeting you a little bit, and you step back, but no ill effects are met. Wait, so I'm not rich? <laughs> okay. I should really get a lawyer. <laughs> so uh, Zeke, the druid, enters again and goes, you have passed the first test. Cool. The second test is through this way. You'll find your friends there. And he gestures towards one of the tent flaps. Yeah, I go there. Uh, Talia, you, uh, uh, you're sitting there crying, and one of the druids enters into your tent and goes, you have passed the first test. 
No, that's really good. Okay. <laughs> the second test is through there. You'll find your friends there. All right. That's good. And you go through that tent? Yes. You guys walk through those tent flaps, and as soon as you do, you find yourself outside at the base of a small mountain. And uh, you turn around to look behind you, and the tent flap is no longer there. Also, between the two of you is an unconscious Barnabas. Man, that smoke must be real strong. (laughs) Mr. Gunsby? You wake up, Barnabas. But you're blind. I poke him. (laughs) We have to go to Falion. The beast is back. It's killing everyone. What? No, I, that was part of the, I imagine that was part of your test. So everyone's okay? Yeah, we're fine. I got, I got a sword to the gut, but I think it's all right. <laughs> I'm fine. <laughs> so we shall continue the race. Ha <laughs> ha. I can't see. <laughs> <laughs> That's problematic. All right. No, here, uh, I take his hand and I pull him up. And just put put his hand on my uh, shoulder. I go, it's all right. Just follow me. We'll go from here. How treacherous does this mountain look? It's like on a scale of one to ten, be like a five or a four. It's it's not that treacherous. It doesn't look that treacherous to to climb. It will be difficult, but not like impossible. Uh, and uh, as you guys are examining the mountain, and you're looking up uh, at it. A old tree root like it's like a tree that has like broken and fallen and then you don't know where the top half of it is anymore but this like the stump and root uh is still there at the base of this mountain uh moves and you look at it and uh the bark on it shifts around to make a face yeah (laughs) (laughs) are you yelling what's going on i see two of the three of you have passed the first test Barnabas. (laughs) (laughs) Barnabas. <laughs> <laughs> what? I wasn't going to let the beast continue to s- murder everyone in Felion. We'll talk about this later. Continue, tree friend. <laughs> <laughs> now, the three of you need to simply climb up this mountain. At its summit, you will find three very powerful items that will assist you in the next three trials. Any tips? Well... One foot in front of the other helps. Uh, However, I will tell you that time doesn't quite work in here the way you would think. So you have plenty of time to climb up this mountain. Uh, You needn't worry about your standings in the race. That's vague. These trials, while still dangerous, are more or less happening... In the tents you are currently sitting in. They began as soon as you entered. Man, that smoke is real strong. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, all right. I get real big. (laughs) Barnabas, hop on my back. (laughs) I help Barnabas get on Zeke's back. Uh, Barnabas, as you're climbing onto Zeke's back, you're like blinking and you're getting a little bit of your vision back, but it's like everything's really dim. Uh, so you're at a minus two to all accuracy and evade rolls, but you okay. are somewhat able to make out shapes. It's like, is you really like, you're like a person who needs glasses that is not wearing their glasses. All right. Shall we try? I feel like a person that needs glasses that does not have those glasses. Well, we'll, um, 
try and help you out where we can, Mr. Gunsby. Um, shall we try straight up or around? Uh, so you guys uh, are looking. There is a little bit of a path that you guys can walk up. Um, uh, at least for like a little bit, it's hard to say. It does kind of r- wind around to the side, um, and it's not like a you know a beaten path. It is just like less rocky than the other bits. I say we start with the path, so you're not so likely to trip carrying Mister Gunsby, and then um, and then we'll go from there. I suppose. Sounds good to me. <laughs> Onward. That's right in my ear. <laughs> All right, so we start going. Okay. Uh, you guys follow that path for a little bit. It's kind of tough going, but not that hard. And uh, you eventually find that the path uh, gets rockier and rockier. Uh, and then you realize, like, you're going to have to, like, climb up about uh, 12 feet uh, up, like, some, like, jagged rocks to get up to, like, another path mm-hmm. to continue your way. Uh, you were going counterclockwise and now you'd be going clockwise. I'll climb up with Barnabas and then I can help you up. Okay. Sure, yeah. I do that. Okay. Uh, roll brute for me. At a, a, a minus one because you're carrying Barnabas. Seven. Okay. Um, you, uh, you're starting to feel like some cramps as you do. Uh, you get up there and like it, it actually proves a lot more tiring than you expected. So it's a, it ends up being a lot uh, harder than you expected. And at one point, um, your uh, leg gives way, uh, like one of the, your footholds breaks and you have to like make a de- desperate move to keep yourself from falling. And you jam your hand uh, into a rock and bruise it. And... Um, you're going to be at a minus six to anything with your left arm. But you do make it up. All right. I reach my right arm down, (laughs) which I guess is probably like two and a half feet down from the top. Mm -hmm. If you can get to my arm, I can pull you up. No, my arm's longer than that. <laughs> yeah, because you're seven feet tall, right? Or not eight? Eight it's feet like, tall? I think. Let's say I'm elf height. Yeah, let's. Uh, no, two and a half is right. No. No. Because no, this is about your height, like right? From there to there. Right, and so, but but then half of that is just one of your arms, right? So half of like, like height. nine would be Five. like four and a half yeah. feet. Yeah. So you can reach him. I grasp his hand and try to climb up with the aid. Okay. Uh, you can roll uh, Brute with a plus two. It's a nine. A nine? You get you get pulled up, but uh, as you do, you scrape your knee on one of the jagged rocks, and you lose three wounds. Uh, as you catch your knee, and it starts bleeding profusely. Do we get a tourniquet for... Shared hallucination wounds. You can like tie it up and stop it from bleeding. All right, I do yes. that. Yeah. Ow. Uh, this is why I have wings. I mean, fake wings. Uh, and uh, your movement speed is now at minus 10. All right, that was a little rough, but onward. Uh, you guys follow this path for a little while longer. Um, it starts getting a little dark. 
Um, as you guys are climbing up, it's slow going. What with uh, Talia's hurt leg and just the like difficulty of the terrain in general, you have to like climb over like jagged, jagged like rock parts like jutting out in your way, stuff like that. Um, and uh, you find uh, the path you're cl- you're walking up uh, has a giant gap that you guys are going to have to cross. How wide is the gap, and what's on the other side of the gap? Uh, more path like what you've been walking on. Like, if, say, you were thrown across the gap and rolled a ways, would you fall off the mountain? No. It's a, wide, it's a wide enough path that, like, it fits the three of you, so. Hey, Barnabas, can you see good yet? It's still a little fuzzy. It's still a little fuzzy, but I should be able to help if needed. I throw him across the gap. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Not roll, this again. Roll brute for me. <laughs> Twelve. Okay, Barnabas, I need you to roll dexterity for me. I got a tier three, 22. Yeah, uh, you get thrown, you make it, you clear the gap just barely, uh, and then you, uh, you manage to like roll with the, with the momentum of the, the toss so that you don't uh, hurt yourself when you land. I get up and dust myself off, and uh, I start squinting, <laughs> see if I can see anybody. You see the large, blurry shapes of your companions. I'll just, uh, I'll just wait right here. Sounds good. What is the wall of the mountain on, I presume, the one side of this gap look like? Uh, it's rough, uh, earthy. Uh, it seems like there was probably like an avalanche that broke through, like a big boulder rolled down through this. I'm going to attempt a running leap. All right, go ahead and roll dexterity at a minus two. It's 14. Uh, you step back, kind of like brace yourself against the pain of your of your gashed knee, mm-hmm. and then you run, take a big leap, stretch out, and catch your foot on the, uh, on the uh, landing on the other side and uh, run past Barnabas and stop, and you make it. So I'm going to go in just in case... Ezekiel, for some reason, fails, that I can maybe catch him. And I will help. No, you stay right there, Miss Gunsby. (laughs) (laughs) I am perfectly capable. How many fingers am I holding up? How many fingers is she holding up? Roll notice for me at a minus two. Tier two. Uh... She's holding up three fingers, but she keeps wiggling her pinky finger between three and four. Well, Miss Nazar, if you would settle on a number, perhaps I could tell you. (laughs) All right. Keep looking out. (laughs) I jump across the gap. Okay. Roll dexterity for me. 16. Uh, You step back, and with long elf-like strides, you uh, run at this gap, jump, and uh, you land cleanly on the other side. That went okay. Let's carry on, shall we? Barnabas, can you see good enough to not walk off the mountain? Yes. In fact, this isn't the first time I've walked on a mountain barefoot while half blind. <laughs> Why don't you have your shoes on? You don't have shoes on. No one has shoes on. Oh, right. Don't worry. You're all wearing greenish brown robes and nothing else. It is rather breezy and I do enjoy it. <laughs> it's nice to breathe every once in a while. We continue. Can't say I was. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, you guys continue. Uh, this part gets a lot uh, rockier and more difficult. 
Um, I'm going to need everyone to roll uh, brute for me. Talia, you're at a minus two. Uh, Tier three. Tier one. Tier one. Okay. Um, Barnabas and Zeke, uh, you guys have a rough time of it, and uh, you actually uh, become fatigued. Is this a result of difficult terrain? Yes. I have topographer. You do. (laughs) Barnabas, you are fatigued. (laughs) Zeke, you're fine. (laughs) Because you do not suffer the penalties of uh, disadvantageous terrain. Uh, So, Barnabas, uh, your hit point and wound maximums are halved. Um, This isn't the hardest mountain I've climbed, but I was also a lot younger. Uh, Let's keep going. Talia, your nausea finally subsides. And Barnabas, your vision comes back. Um, But you still feel like shit. Um, You guys are walking. It's now plenty dark. Uh, and wait, it's dark. Yeah. Like there's no light anywhere. Yeah. Except for the moonlight. I begin glowing. All right. Uh, you guys have seen this before. Talia takes in a deep breath and this light fills her body. Uh, and, uh, you guys kind of have uh, a little bit of help seeing, uh, as you guys continue onward with this glowing forest nearby you. Well done, Talia. Really, a doctor should look at that. <laughs> I've seen a lot of people do that right before the end. <laughs> I've been able to do this my whole life, Mr. Quaglin. I appreciate your concern, but if, I, if it was going to be near the end, I should have died a long time ago. I don't know how for us to work. <laughs> That's obvious. Aren't we all really near <laughs> the end, though? <laughs> what? <laughs> You look over and Barnabas is like sweating and gasping for air. (laughs) Um, You guys walk for a little bit longer uh, and uh, you actually see a a, a, like shallow cave uh, off the path going into this mountain. Uh, It is shallow enough that like when you like take a step into it, Talia, your light extends uh, and you you can see like you're in the back of it. Um, and, uh, right as you guys are about getting about to that cave, there's a crash of thunder and the sky opens up and a heavy rainfall, uh, begins pouring. Uh, I think we keep going. How long have we been walking? It feels like about half a day. I mean, I don't mind the rain or the rocky terrain, but Barnabas looks like he might die. Literally hours from now. Well, we can help him, right, Mr. Gunsby? No, no, we must keep going. That's part of the trial. We can't give up. Remember what they told us. Determination. We can't let up now. Unless what we need's in that cave. There's nothing in the cave. Then we should keep going until we get to the top. I concur. Let's go. I offer my arm down to Barnabas. I could carry you for a while if you need a rest. No, no, no. I've already let you all down once. I pick him up. (laughs) uh, I'm not enjoying this. Take a nap. No. (laughs) (laughs) You guys continue on. Uh, It is rocky and difficult as before. Um, And then you find another, uh, another like, this one's like 18 foot tall, like cliff edge you're going to have to climb up. Uh, And it's soaking wet due to the rain, which uh, at this point, after walking for a few hours, has subsided. Will you give me a boost, uh, Mr. Quaglin? I set Barnabas down and I 
position my hands to give Talia a boost. I'm just going to want uh, Zeke to roll a brute test at a minus six because he's using his sprained arm. Oh, no. Climb on my shoulders and I lean down. I do. Cool. Then I stand up. All right. Uh, <laughs> roll brute for me for that squat. <laughs> bad. Real bad. <laughs> Was it a one? Yes. Okay. Uh, so Talia, he tries to stand up with you um, and he uh, the weight of you on his back actually like unbalances him and uh you go tumbling back i'm gonna need you to roll dexterity to grab onto something before you fall off this mountain um tier three yeah uh you uh go falling off of his back um but there's like a, a root sticking out of the path at, that you're about to fall off of and you catch it with your hand and you're hanging there now can i Pull myself up. Yeah, and they can easily help you. Oh, up. I do. No I'm, problem. I'm and I help. <laughs> I'm going to just try and climb up the wall. Okay. Uh, do so at a minus three because it is very slippery. A one. Okay. Not a natural one. Yeah. Uh, you climb up. It's very hard. Uh, and you are now fatigued as well. Fine. So your hit point and wound maximums are now at half. So. But you make it to the top. All right, cool. I take my robe off. Okay. And I throw it down. So I'm holding onto one end so they can use it to climb. Okay. And now I'm naked Hi. in a dream with these two idiots. <laughs> and I'm in a very cross mood. Very cross. How long is the robe? Probably like eight to nine feet. Yeah, it fit on her body, so... It's tall enough that when I take off my robe and tie it to that one, now there's a rope. Yes. Now you have a naked elf-sized Zeke and a naked Talia with uh, two robes tied together to make a rope. <laughs> I glow extra bright in my private areas, so they can't... <laughs> <laughs> so, so it blinds them? And then I get real small and climb it. Okay. Because <laughs> I'm probably too heavy otherwise. Yeah, you make it up uh, well enough. Uh, roll. Uh, uh, so I climb up. Yeah, um, Zeke, go ahead and roll Brute at a plus uh, three. And same for you, Barnabas. Tier one. Four. Okay, so both of you got tier one. It's still pretty hard because, you know, you're holding these these robes and still having to find footholds on these slippery rocks. And uh, Zeke, uh, there's one point where you kind of lose yourself and swing and you smack uh, your right arm into one of the rocks, and now your right arm is sprained as well. Uh, so both your arms, you're at minus six, but you you make it up to the top. Um, and uh, Barnabas, uh, your leg slips, and kind of similar like to what happened to Talia, uh, you smack your hip into one of the jagged rocks, which like jams into it, and it sprains your leg, and you're now at a minus 10 to your movement speed. Oof. And uh, you guys make it to the top, and uh, you look around, and you see a slight incline of a path leading center towards the summit of the mountain. We take the path. And put our robes back on. (laughs) I get big again, so mine fits me. (laughs) Uh, You guys walk up the path. Uh, this is actually a pretty easy path. It seems like a, uh, you know, 
a lot of the rocks have been moved out of the way. This is easygoing. You guys are worse for wear, though. Arms sprained, legs sprained, gashes in your in your leg, a couple of you fatigued, uh, and you walk up. And as you set foot on the level summit of this uh, um, of this mountain, uh, the like slight drizzle of rain that has been coming down uh, stops, and you blink, and it's all of a sudden nice and sunny and warm. Uh, all of your ailments are gone. Ha <laughs> I'm me again. And uh and you uh uh and at the top of this mountain, um you hear like birds chirping and stuff. Um at the top of the mountain, uh you see a uh stone slab with three items on it. Um, there is a wooden rod with, uh, druidic symbols carved into it. Um, it's, uh, just like a couple feet long. Uh, so Zeke, if you were gnome sized, it'd be like the size of a quarter staff for you. Um, there's a, uh, spyglass made of stone and crystal. And a folding silk fan uh, that is currently closed. And uh, next to this stone slab is uh, a similar looking uh, tree root uh, that the bark shifts around and uh, turns into a face. Hey, congratulations. Thanks. Thank you. Not many, er, there aren't many who make it this far. The next task is simple enough. First, select which uh, which items you would like, and then all you need to do is catch a fish, and uh, then it turns back into a root. I love fishing. <laughs> so, who's taking what items? I'll take the um, spyglass. Okay. I grab the stick. And the fan is for me. Cool. Uh, you open it, and uh, it's got a cool like panorama of like uh, mountains. And clouds. Does any of them look like this mountain? One of them does, yeah. Is there a river on this silk? Uh, no, no. But uh, as soon as each one of you has one of the items, uh, you look around you and you are no longer on top of a mountain. You are suddenly uh, standing um, in a very shallow sandbar. Uh, like by very shallow, I mean like an inch of water, like where you're standing and a little bit like to the side, it goes like a little bit deeper. Um, but yeah, it's almost like a little sand Island, uh, just with a little bit of water on top of it. Um, the, uh, water is crystal clear and gorgeous. Uh, and the sun is like pleasantly warm, not too hot up in the sky. Uh, and the water around you extends as far as you can see no land other than the sandbar you're standing on. And uh, the sandbar stretches about 30 feet in diameter uh, before it gives way to what appears to be a uh, bottomless ocean. <laughs> I do not like this. Oh, but it's so gorgeous. All right. So the next task is to catch a fish. Hmm. I'm going to I'm going to look through my telescope just to see if there's anything, any unusual properties about it. When I'm looking, when you look through, you feel like you're you can see further with this spyglass than you would with any other spyglass, uh, and it's like a much more adjustable than 
would be normal. Like when you like move it in, like it goes back and becomes like a wider view. It's very, it's very strange. Uh, if you're looking around through it, uh, go ahead and roll notice for me. Uh, 27. So tier three. Yeah. Uh, Scanning around, you see no other land, uh, but you do see many miles away from you a break in the water as a fish jumps out of the water and splashes back in. That's the only fish I see? Yep. I mean, as you scan around, you don't see any other fish jumping out of the water. I pass this information on to my comrades. So looking in the water, there's no... um, There's no fish around anywhere are there it's not like in the slightly deeper portions there's not there's not fish uh go ahead and roll notice for me Uh, 10 tier two yes uh like i said this water is crystal clear and uh, it's not that hard to look around uh what's like nearby you guys not a single fish in sight if I if I wave the fan around, does it like does it do anything? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you open up the fan to wave it around, and the images on it have changed. What are the images now? Uh, it's the image of uh, of the fish that Barnabas just saw jump out, or what he described to you at least. But it doesn't, um, I don't know, create like wind or anything other than like a pleasant fanning breeze. Correct. Okay. It works just like a normal hand fan would. All right. Toss me the fan. I toss it to you. I catch it. Okay. I have caught a fish. <laughs> uh, yeah, you catch it and the fish is there. And you, you did catch a fan with an image of a fish on it. It's literal then, huh? <laughs> <laughs> what, what does the writing on, um, on your staff say? Can you read it? That's racist. <laughs> <laughs> what? Why? I'm not a druid. I don't know what language... You're the one holding it. <laughs> I wanted a stick to hit things with. <laughs> All right. Give it over. Yeah, I hand it to her. Can I try and read the um, words on the, the stick? You can't. I, I can't. I mean, you can try. I'm but, very good at, at linguistics. <laughs> right. But you've never seen even these characters before. While she does that, I look in the direction of the fish and I say... Hey, fish, come here. You actually can't see it that well. Um, It's really far away. Uh, So even with your enhanced vision, um, it's still like a small little speck in the distance. Like, But you look in the direction that like Barnabas had talked about and you do see like a little splash. And you yell, hey, fish. Come here. Splash. And it doesn't. I mean... It doesn't come closer. It's hard to tell looking with your eyes. Okay. Um, what if we leave the sandbar? What if I, like, go into the deeper parts? Okay. Mm. Are you fish? swimming out towards the fish? or? Uh, I don't know how to swim, so no, I'm just going in the little deeper part. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Not, no, nothing. You don't see any other fish anywhere? Is anyone good at swimming? Oh, yeah. Barnabas uh, perks up. Why, yes, I am. I've had to swim out of quite a bit of danger before. I mean, I don't know how to catch a fish. Can you just swim up to it and grab it? Generally not my experience. No. Well, what if we, um, do we have something, we can like rip a little bit of like thread from my 
my cloak and, and maybe tie it to the end of your stick, right? You just stick a, a string with a stick in the water and it <coughs> come to it? No. Oh. Not, not even what really that close. pictures of them? No? <laughs> okay, Barnabas, I have an idea I hate. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go swim to the fish. And when it jumps out, you, know, you don't have your gun. We're going to go swim to the fish, and we're just going to grab it. We're going to grab the fish. <laughs> it's several miles out. Well, yeah, you just You're float on your back when you get tired. I put my stick in the water, and I just, like, think real hard about fish. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing seems to happen. <laughs> Um, all right. Well, let's see. This is a puzzle. Let's see if we can't figure it out. We've got a spyglass, which lets us see the fish. We've got a fan that shows us. Have you, did you, is the fan still open or did you close it? Um, I think I've closed it now. Okay. When you say we've got a fan and it lets us see the fish. Or uh, if you've got a fan and blah, 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 uh, you open it up as you're talking about it and you see uh, a like, kaleidoscope of puzzle pieces. Um, I think about my grand adventure in the deserts of Zeta. Open the fan back up. Well, you took the fan from her and closed it and thought about yeah. Zeta and then opened it back up. You yeah. see sandy dunes and a bright sun. Right, it's over. beautiful. Give it over. Give it over. Um, all right. I think about how much I want to catch a fish and I open it back up. You see uh, a great likeness of the three of you uh, sitting on a sand dune uh, looking uh, with a spyglass. I, I take it back and I think about the three of us having caught the fish and open it up. It's the three of you sitting on a sand dune and the fish is sitting on the sand dune as well. Uh, like obviously flapping in the like inch deep water. Oh, is there anything on there that could indicate that could help us out? It's only like what I've described, but it is a great likeness and very, very beautifully uh, painted. Not to, not to I call to my avian friends <laughs> to bring me the fish. You whistle and nothing happens. Oh, right. That's disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna look through the spyglass again. Okay, uh, you're wa- looking out to where the fish is. You are able to zoom in and see like right where it's at, and you see it splash and flop. And you're watching for like a little while longer, maybe zooming out slightly to make sure you don't miss it. And then it splashes a little bit closer to you guys and flop. Is it continuing to splash closer? Uh, you watch it for about, you know, it doesn't, it only splashes out like once every like minute, two minutes, you know, it's not a consistent timing. Uh, so you watch it for about like 10 minutes just sitting there. And uh, it does seem every time it comes out that it comes out a little bit closer to you guys. It's slowly heading this way. I guess we wait then and take shifts looking at it in a spyglass. Clearly. Putting the stick in the water and thinking about fish has attracted it. <laughs> <laughs> well done, Ezekiel. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it takes about eight hours. And you all 
are just sitting there. It's very, very pleasant here on this sandbar. You also don't find yourself getting thirsty or hungry or anything like that. Um, you're just like comfortable. And, uh, yeah, you see, uh, you take turns and as long as you guys are watching it, it seems to come a little bit closer and a little bit closer. And then eventually it gets about to the sandbar and then just flops up and lands on the sandbar and can't go anywhere because the sandbar only has an inch of water on top of it. I grab it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, as soon as you do, uh, you guys are no longer on a sandbar. Am I holding the fish still? No, you're holding nothing now. All right. Well, I'm glad he presumably got back home. (laughs) Um, (laughs) You find yourself standing on a very small stone platform that doesn't seem to have anything holding it up uh, as it floats above the clouds. Um, And there's uh, the first thing you notice is like the gushing wind around you guys. Uh, like, you know, pulling at your robes and not, and like not knocking you around, but pushing at your bodies. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, looking around, you don't see anything. You guys seem to be above the clouds. Um, but about 60 some feet away from you on another similar floating stone platform is a doorway. The fan, right? I would assume so. Try to use the fan as a sail. Let's look at it first and see what happens. Uh, you open it up and you see the sails of a boat. <laughs> All right. I close it and I think about us getting to the door. Okay. You open it up and you got, and it shows you guys standing next to the door. And Barnabas has a thumbs up. And, and Barnabas has a thumbs up in that image. <laughs> is, is the wind pointing us in the direction of the door? It seems to be coming from all different directions. It's not like, it's definitely not like hitting you in the back. It is like swirling around you guys. I strike a cool pose for a second with my staff. And, Cause I've got like robes. Yeah. Now. You got robes and you got a staff. It looks good. <laughs> I remember this. <laughs> I look at the other platform with my telescope. You see it very clearly. Uh, the, uh, uh, the doorway, um, is made out of like a really, really nice, like natural wood, like deep red colored, but that's all you see. The, the slab we're on is unremarkable other than, being in the sky correct i hit it with my stick no, nothing spectacular happens when you do that your oh. stick doesn't seem harmed in any way though that's good and there's no there's not like a secret invisible like path to like go to like you try to indiana jones it and see if there's a we yeah look at it from the side yeah no no no. Yeah, use the stick to kind of put use, use the stick and poke around yeah, you, you poke around with your feet and your stick and so on. Uh, it doesn't seem like there's any invisible walkway. Can I see the fan? Of course. I think about the path that we need to take to get over there and open it. Uh, you open it and you see the two stone slabs uh, with like a rainbow bridge in between them. I take the fan from it. Okay. I imagine one of the druids of Valdru drawing an incredibly detailed solution for this test. <laughs> and then I open it. <laughs> uh, you open it up and you see uh, uh, one of the druids of uh, Valdru, uh, hood up, face shadowed, uh, painting something on a canvas that you are looking at from behind. This is frustrating. 
<laughs> Roll spirit for me, Zeke. That's a 27. Okay. Uh, Zeke, you, you're looking at the fan. You're, like, focusing on how frustrated it makes you. You're just like, this is, this is bullshit. <laughs> and then you lower the fan, and you, uh, as you lower it, you see the platform off in the distance with the door, and you see that druid of Valdru, face uh, shrouded in shadow, finishing its painting on the canvas, grabbing the canvas and walking through the door. And when you, when you do that, you then look at the fan, and the fan is blank. I think about a bridge real hard. Okay. You open the, uh, you open the, uh, fan. You see, uh, the bridge between the two platforms and now roll spirit for me. 37. You lower the fan down and there is a rainbow bridge connecting the two platforms together. Mr. Quaglin, you've done it. This is a cool fan. (laughs) Well done. (laughs) Thank you. We crossed the bridge. Uh, yeah, you guys cross the bridge. You can stand on the hard light rainbow. <laughs> you. I briefly stop in the middle and pose with my stick again. <laughs> you look really cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and yeah, you guys make it to the door. We go through it. All right, you guys walk through uh, the door, and as soon as you do, you're hit with a very strong heat. Uh, and uh, you find yourself standing on the obsidian, uh, an obsidian island. Uh, in a uh, lake of lava uh, in what you can only assume is the center of a volcano. And uh, you look behind you and the doorway is gone. And floating on another smaller obsidian island on the, uh, on the lava um, is not really a human, not really a Farishta, uh, some kind of humanoid creature made of flames uh, with, uh, his, his hair, you assume it's a, he just by it's like facial features and body structure. Um, his, uh, hair is like, you know, uh, like a cone of flame. Uh, his eyes are glowing, uh, uh, white hot. Uh, and he has a wry smile on his face. Hi. Hello. I'm impressed. Thank you. It's been a while since I've had some visitors from the outside. Well, this is quite challenging. Well, you're almost done. You just need to complete the final trial. And it's pretty simple. You just need to impress me. Now, I have some questions for this. If you don't lie, and you don't speak out of turn, and you're not boring... Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Then this should be over quickly, and you can continue on your way. And he smiles that wry smile. I am internally dreading when he talks to Barnabas. (laughs) (laughs) Barnabas is so excited to share one of his many tales with this new friend. Now, question for anyone. Uh, Who would like to go first? Barnabas raises his hand. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. Question one. Why are you here? Well, we are in the Atroposian circuit. And in order to go through Baldru, we uh, we decided to take upon ourselves this this trial. And so far, we've mostly passed everything. And now you're here asking us questions about why we're here. Yeah, no, I don't like that one. And uh, he raises his hands and points at you. And a giant torrent of lava uh, shoots out and uh, uh, flies right at you, Barnabas. Uh, Zeke, I need you to roll spirit for me. 26. Uh, Zeke, 
you see this coming, you're like, eh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, you uh, kind of step back away from the lava, I assume. Yes. And uh, your uh, staff that you're holding, all the runes grow glow bright red, and one of them disappears, and the uh, the lava is buffeted away. You now have seven runes on your staff instead of eight. That was really cool, I think, to myself. Oh, I was going to say, did you say that out loud? <laughs> you think that to yourself. <laughs> well, that was your turn. And he turns to Talia and Zeke and he goes, Eeny, meeny, miny, mo, catch a tiger by his toe. If he hollers, let him go. Eeny, meeny, miny, mo. You! And he points at Talia. <laughs> That's so rigged. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you here? I'm here because... Because I want to prove that I'm not worthless. And I've found some people I care about. And they need me to be here. So, I am. I love it, kind of. It's weird. Adventuring. He's, he's grinning at you, and the, uh, the like, you know, mo- slow-moving lava kind of, like, moves his platform a little bit closer to you guys and f- starts fading him away from you guys. And he goes, good answer. And you, little guy, why are you here? It seemed like it would be fun. And, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's certainly not boring. He grins and goes, passable. And then he he looks back at Barnabas. He goes, how about another go, old man? Oh, I see what you're saying now. I want to prove to everybody... No, you're, you've had I, your time with I that question. I jab him with the stick as, as uh, he starts to talk. As, uh, <laughs> as, as you try to answer the question that uh, you've already answered, a uh, splash of lava flies at you again. And uh, Zeke, roll spirit for me. 33. <laughs> <laughs> Tier 4? Yeah, yeah. Again, uh, rune burns off of your staff. You're down to 6 now. And the lava gets swatted away. I jab him with the stick. You've already had your chance to answer the first question. Now time for the second question. What is your greatest fear? I'd say it's, I'd say it's dying, knowing that everyone thinks I'm a fraud. He smiles and goes, fair enough. Your turn, little lady. What is your greatest fear? Well, I've kind of already said um, that I'm not worth anything. Each question has a different answer, and a, a sure. burst of lava shoots out at you. That's not fair. <laughs> and uh, I think to myself, I can only do this six more times. <laughs> uh, go ahead and roll spirit, Zeke. 20. <laughs> yeah. Uh, again, a rune burns off of your uh, staff. You now have five runes, and uh, the lava is swatted away from Talia. And how about you, little guy? What's your greatest fear? So I'm flying over the hurricane sea, and my engine's cut out, and I'm being chased by a half dozen saltwater aid and rays, right? And I'm starting to sink, and they're shooting at me, and I can't pull evasive maneuvers much longer, and I try and put her down in the ocean, but it turns out there's, like, a whole aid and fleet down there, so I crash, and then I'm just stuck there, and they're surrounding me, and they're closing in, and then their other lasers just, like, rip me apart, and it's... Just awful. He looks, you described a a gruesome scene, but he looks elated and happy and he's smiling and he's like, good answer. (laughs) I give him a thumbs up. 
<laughs> and uh, he looks at you, Barnabas, and he goes, question number three, what is your life's aspiration? I want to be remembered as the world's greatest adventurer. My time's coming to a close, so figured what better way to top it off than with Atroposian Circuit. How about you, young lady? What is your life's aspiration? Well, I want to learn more than what I've been taught. I've, since leaving Delvosia, my life's aspirations actually changed. I'm going to go back there and rule with an even hand and maybe one day prove that we don't have to be so separated. Maybe I can change the way some people think. And he turns to Zeke. What is your life's aspiration? Okay. So in Old Paldoris, there are these kind of like six-armed gorillas with goat horns. And uh, there's these kind of like raptors with like turkey necks and eagle heads and just terrible talons. And there's these just awful worm people that live under the ground with knives for arms. And they, they <laughs> leap out and they grab you and, and then they drag you back down. But by far... By far, the worst <laughs> thing are the flying hands. They've got eyes on their fingertips, and they have mouths that seem, you know, awful. But they're much worse than that. They have these tongues that have teeth on them, and they're like <laughs> chainsaws that come out of their mouths. And they grab you, and they rip you apart. And I saw them drill a hole in a wall and bring down a building. And I would like to make Paldoris free of all of them. Good answer. <laughs> Zeke figured out how to play this game. <laughs> Speed round. One final question. Starting with you, old man. What's your favorite color? <laughs> Why, I'd say it's Too red. long. Splash. <laughs> Do I have to save him? <laughs> Roll spirit, Zeke. 26. All right. Another rune burns off. You're down to four now, yeah? Uh, and the <laughs> lava gets pushed away. And you, young lady, what's your favorite color? Sapphire blue. Ooh. And how about you, little man? Sky blue. Okay. <laughs> I'm impartial to red myself. And he winks at Barnabas. <laughs> well, that's it. Final trial's over. And uh, he snaps his finger. And all three of you find yourselves... Uh, in a tent laying on the ground uh, and you can smell the familiar smells of the uh, Hall of the Druids in Valdru. I look at, do I have a stick? You do. How many runes does it have? Eight. Aw, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, the tent flap opens up and in walks uh, Gnome with uh, the hood up on their robes, they walk in, w let the hood down, and it is uh, an old woman. And uh, she says, you three have completed the trials. Congratulations. You are going to be allowed passage through Valdru. And you recognize her voice as the voice of that tree root that had talked to you. Thank you very much. Though, just to put my mind at ease, everyone in Velian is okay, correct? Yes, that was simply the trial of spirit, to see the clarity of your task, if you were truly committed to passage through Valdru. Thank goodness. 
I am Archdruid Rowena, and I hereby decree, in the eyes of the Council of Druids, that the three of you, Ezekiel Quaglin, Talia Nazari, and Barnabas Gunsby, shall be allowed passage through Valdru. May your journeys be swift and without impediment. Thank you. Thank you very much. You're more than welcome to hold on to the items you collected. Sweet. I must warn you. you. The powers they exhibited were simply a byproduct of the shared vision you had. Still cool. (laughs) Indeed. You're sure? (laughs) Quite. (laughs) Okay. I believe Bartholo and his friend Grundlefug are waiting outside to see you through Valdru, should you enjoy his company. Your belongings, and she gestures, and there's a stone slab nearby you guys with all your clothes and all your items, and Gerald is standing there. Hello, Gerald. (laughs) You may collect your things, and the exit is that tent flap there. Can I keep this robe? Yes. Cool. Um, could I ask, are there others from the Atroposian circuit who succeeded in the trials? There are some, yes. I... I'm just going to ask you don't if you can't tell me that's fine. How did Team Basington do? <laughs> <laughs> she grins and goes, "It's not my place to tell." So real good. Huh? She smiles knowingly. <laughs> just very surprising. Okay, let's get our stuff. <laughs> All right. So we get our stuff and um go forth. All right, you guys collect your things, put back on your clothes, grab all your stuff. I keep the robe on. Sure. Um, and I think I put the robe on over my, like, regular clothes. And you guys step out, and you see uh, Bartholo and Grundlefug smiling. Uh, as soon as he sees you, Talia, uh, Grundlefug runs over and gives you a big hug. Yes. <laughs> and uh, uh, Bartholo says, all right, hey. I understand you passed. Yeah. We, yes. We did real good. Congratulations and welcome to Valdru. I assume you'd like to take the ferry north? It's the quickest way to Zelhos. Yes, then yes. <laughs> yes. Excellent. Uh, this way. It's not too far a walk. And that's where we'll end this session. This podcast has been brought to you by ENPC Productions. All rights reserved. The Essential NPCs podcast is not affiliated with, endorsed, sponsored, or specifically approved by Cracked Monocle Gaming. Tefra, the steampunk RPG, is a trademark of Cracked Monocle Gaming. All rights reserved. Go to www.crackedmonocle.com for more information.